There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Am I tough enough? Strong and stable leadership. Total rhubarb. Hell yes, I'm tough enough. Shut the fridge. Not another one. It's the Politics Show podcast. Are you going to leave that in there where I just did not understand yeah, what you maybe. were saying? We'll see, we'll see, we'll see if it makes it past Can the Can we edit. actually just sort of talk about the mise en place right now? In front of us. You No, know, no, no. So basically, we don't have tables for the microphones right now. And mm. so I've got myself a stool, mm. but Ollie's holding his yeah. because he wanted to feel like a football announcer or a war commentator or something. I just, I don't know, there's a, it's a nice dynamic to... Um, pick up the mic and hold it in front of your face mm. I don't know much more than that but I, when you said mise en place I thought you were referring to the packet of amber leaf on the table oh yeah <laughs> um, or the two pints and the half empty bottle of water I mean it's I don't know has it gone downhill now that we don't have Ed Campbell we're kind of just we're, we, 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 we don't care anymore phoning it in yeah just hanging out I like that I've like dramatically misunderstood mise en place as well <laughs> I only learned about this the other day Okay, so what do you think, Mise en Place? Well, I think it's because I was in a situation where, like, my boyfriend was talking about, like, what was on the table, and he kept saying Mise en Place, and I was literally like, please, English, all right? Like, what? And... Uh, you've got a little bit of French. Maybe... No, nothing. No, just no, Spanish. Just Spanish. Yeah. Uh, I thought Mise en Place was the things that a chef does. It's like the preparation in advance of the cooking. It's like the things are in their place. Really? Uh, that's what I think it means. It's When you do Mise en Place, it's like... Uh, chopping 50 onions and then putting them in like a small dish so that you've got them for the entire service. Well, if you know what mise en place is... <laughs> well, I don't, maybe Please. I don't know. No, no, no. I'm, I'm sorry, yeah. I'm an appeal to... to the listener. <laughs> <laughs> Shut the fuck up, <laughs> Go ahead. Email us at ed at joe.co.uk. <laughs> I saw as well, there are there there's quite a few people in the YouTube comments missing Ed Campbell. Also, a lot of people miss understanding that you're not Ed. Yeah, someone people did. People think you're Ed. Yeah, people thought I was Ed. Yeah. People were missing Ed. Ed's the main main event, isn't he? I mean, he is the golden boy. Yeah. Paul Joe, and we miss him dearly. Yeah, and dearly. Then us recording now without video is completely pointless, me being on it. Because let's be honest, <laughs> Shut the fuck up. what are they coming for? Oh, All right? <laughs> um, we, we're, we're here, we are here to talk seriously about something, aren't we? We're here to talk about um, 
well best for britain is that the right the appropriate way to label it or yeah so well we're actually here to talk about multi-level regression with post-stratification please don't turn off <laughs> but carol vorderman is going to be on here so that's the hand giveth and the hand taketh away yeah. um yeah okay so no go on so you were at uh this this well it was a presser and announcement big big polling announcement weren't you this well week? it's actually more modeling okay so it's really expensive to do this now this is the group that predicted that trump would become president this is the group that predicted that Boris Johnson would take... Well, they actually predicted 81-seat majority. Now, that's not bad. That's fucking pathetic. Yeah. <laughs> Close, guys. Yeah, 80. Come on. It was it was 80. Yeah. Well, you've been sleeping. Yeah. Nice try. Anyway, so what they've predicted from this modelling is that the Labour Party is on track to win 470 seats. That's a 140-seat majority if you look to the new constituency boundaries which are going to come into effect. Mm. However... That lead is narrowing. And one scenario that assumes Reform UK, that's Richard Tice's party, if they stand aside for the Conservatives, that would mean Labour would only win 401 seats and the Conservatives would gain 202. Only 401. Which is, we're getting into hung parliament territory. Mm, yeah, I mean, yeah, OK, we're, get, we're getting there. But I mean, either way, either way you look at it, I mean, without playing out the various, you know, variables that we were, that you were just mentioning there, that's still... I mean that's incredibly punchy, isn't it? That's the, the whole the whole debate in the Tory Party right now is: is it ninety two? Is it ninety seven? I.e., do we overturn the odds and win against everything with John Major, or do we get murked by Tony Blair? Yeah, this would appear to indicate it's the latter. Um, any words on tactical voting at this press conference? Well, do you know what? Why would I say anything when Carol Vorderman can roll the clip? <laughs> and we've seen that Labour currently huge gains, but it's all up for grabs. Yeah. So fundamentally, um, the, you know, one snapshot would say that Labour will win 470 seats and the Conservatives will be reduced down to less than 130. But that's probably not realistic. Um, in, because we have a first-past-the-post system, it, we don't have any form of PR. So um, sadly, uh, there's only this country and Belarus within the confines of Europe that who uses first past the post. It's not great, really, is it? Uh, anyway, um, so what, what the statistics show, and also Luke is here to talk about it because he runs a, an organisation which has a lot of focus groups, and what people are feeling um, is that it is all up for grabs. Uh, it's unlikely to be a Tory government in future, um, but... Who knows? They say a week is a long time in politics. We've got a good year yet to go. So, um, you know, I am here because I want to talk about tactical voting. So I worked with a small group uh, who set up uh, Stop the Tories, Stop Vote, because I, I started voting in 1979. I'm 62 years of age and I've seen politicians come and go, obviously, during all of those years. I grew up in the 70s when there were the miners' strikes. We, I did my homework, you know, on um, the three-day working week where we only had electricity for three days and had to do it by candlelight. All of those things, I've lived through all of that. So I understand all of that. But never, ever in my lifetime have I seen what is patently a corrupt government like this one, where they are taking from the poor and they are giving to the already rich. Factually, 
we have seen yesterday there was the public um, accounts committee put out and nobody's reported it in mainstream media that in the two years preceding Johnson becoming um, Prime Minister, there was an approximation of five and a half billion pounds uh, of, of fraud and waste on government departments. In the following two years, when Sunak was Chancellor, that quadrupled to 21 billion pounds of fraud and it's not being investigated. And this report said, not that mainstream uh, media has reported any of it at all. People wouldn't even know it existed because they leaked it out on the day Prince Harry was in court, again, using the bad news day tactic. So they said that the HMRC is a department for concern. They said uh, that of the £7.9 billion that went into COVID testing, £6 billion of that was uh, given to the companies recommended by Tory MPs and ministers and peers. You know, it goes on and on and on, and it's not being reported. Delightful to hear from Carol Vorderman there, Ava. Um, what was she like in person? Do you have a good chat? Oh, God, it's so misogynistic to say, but I'll say it. That woman is so attractive. I'm sorry. She radiates. She is radiating just good energy. I would never say such a thing. I, <laughs> when I asked you how she was, I meant in terms of her, her, her ideas, her views on British politics... Yeah, I, yeah, but that's know. part of the attractiveness. Did you know Her big old that she was part of the task force that made online child grooming illegal in the UK? No. Did you know that she worked for two years in the Department for Education with Michael Gove under David Cameron to get maths back on the classroom, you know, back on the agenda? No. Well, see? What there a woman. What a woman. You're just thinking about countdown. Uh, well, yeah, it goes deeper than that, I think. Um, so... Why is Carol there? What's 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 she doing? Is she just an ambassador for what's the story? Well, firstly, we needed a bit of glam. Mm, and everything's better with a bit of glam. Yeah, and a big brain. And a big she brain. has both. <laughs> um, no, she was there because she was big part of the stop stop the Tories dot vote campaign that went on during the local elections that have just gone. It was the first time that that sort of modelling was used for the local elections, and what that did was you could go on, put in your postcode, and you could. Uh, it would tell you which party to vote for in order to oust the Tories. So you might be in a marginal seat where Labour can't win, but Lib Dems could or vice versa. And it would tell you to vote accordingly. Mm. Yeah, for me, that was one of the biggest takeaways from those locals. It wasn't that, you know, Labour had stormed to this glorious victory. They did well. It was, you look at the Lib Dems, look at the Greens, incredibly strong showing in the locals. And for me, the the largest thing there was... This isn't people saying, God, we love Keir Starmer. This is one people saying, God, we love Ed Davey. And by the way, if you can find me someone who'll say that, I'll pay you 50 quid. It was people saying, we fucking hate this lot. And whoever's in second place, they've got my vote. Get them get them out. Yeah. I guess the question for me really is whether or not... that It's one thing to do that for your local council. It's another thing to do that in a general election. And I don't know whether it will translate as directly across. Well, firstly, slap a big £50 note right there. <laughs> Because you found her. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, you're totally right. I mean, local elections are quite similar to by-elections where like, usually voters will use that as a protest vote and they will just use that to harm whatever party is in government. Um, but yeah, do you know there were some really interesting notes on Brexit? And that was uh, Sir John Curtis, Professor Sir John Curtis, who is the impartial uh, what what would you call him? Like polling extraordinaire? Well, yeah, I mean that's probably the way to describe him to 
a normal person. I think that is it cephologist, cephologist. Yeah, is sure. A technical term for it. Sure. Well, uh, so he was sophologizing. Yeah. And uh, he, but what he was explaining was that Brexit is still a major factor um, for the next election, but not in the same way that it was in the 2019 election. So conservatives are still really dependent on leave voters, but not in the way they were in 2019. This sounds interesting. These leave voters are now going, well, we want Brexit, but you're not the party to deliver it. And you're also not the party to steward the economy because you have failed us. This Brexit red tape, this is all your fault and we want clean Brexit and sunlit uplands and you're not delivering it. And this is where the space for reform comes through. So what they were modelling was if Richard Tice and the Reform Party break away from their kind of conspiracy theory, lockdown sceptic, climate change sceptic ways, they would pick up huge numbers in voting. So if they went straight down the line, we're going to give you good Brexit, they will pick up voters. And the other interesting thing they said, Labour, despite the pivot to being we're going to make Brexit work, three quarters of their voters are still pro-Remain. Yeah, I mean, that's just, uh, that's a given for me at this point. But it lost 10%. Do you know that? Oh, okay. So it used to be over 80, now around 73. In 2019, I mean, there's no other way to interpret the 2019 result other than it as a Brexit election. That that was the dividing line. Yeah. It was leave for the Tories, remain for Labour. Um, and people also forget Keir Starmer's role in that decision in, in pushing the Labour Party towards that second referendum position, which, surprise, surprise, led to the uh, defenestration of Jeremy Corbyn and then the opportunity to win a leadership contest. But that's a story for another day, mm. dear listener. I like when we make it so simple that it makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> People are going to be in the comments like, <laughs> and we read them. We read every single one of them. Yeah. Um, okay. So interesting. So it's all to play for, essentially. Is, is it all to play for? It sounded it sounded quite, pretty brutal for the Conservative Party, if I'm being honest. It is brutal for the Conservatives, but that doesn't mean that it's going to be a Labour landslide. Once you get into territory where we're talking about, I mean, like, okay, it really depends if how many candidates Richard Tice decides to stand in the next election. Mm. If you remember the last one. Right up to the end, he was like, we're putting, Nigel Farage, we're putting candidates everywhere. So UKIP was saying the same thing. And then they didn't. I think they were absolutely instrumental in that in that Tory red wall columns victory, to be honest with you. I, I yeah, I didn't think it was a, a, a big a big part of it. Um, Can I just tell you one really great little quip? Yeah. From the focus groups. This was Luke Trill from More in Common. He was explaining what he hears at the focus groups. Interesting one. Surrey voters do not trust Conservatives anymore with the economy. Nice. Mm. One thing that comes up all the time, Starmer, Jimmy Savile. Not because they blame him, but because they think that they're part of the same media class. So that's one insult that's really stuck and had cut through. But the other one, Rishi Sunak being small. The voters don't like it. <laughs> they don't like it. They don't like it. The voters don't like the fact he's small. You know small. what they call him? Little Rishi. Little Rishi. Lil Rishi. Yeah. Had to do it to him, Lil Rishi. Yeah. He'd be a good SoundCloud rapper. I think that'd be a good name. Um, Starmer and Savile. I mean, that that conspiracy. Well, is it conspiracy? That conspiracy theory there is one thing, but to say that they're part of the same class of people is that's quite a fucking. This is kind of like. So I guess because everything gets muddy mm. once it's been out there for a while, you don't get the denials, you don't get the corrections quite as clearly as you should, or whatever, and people just assume that they are part of this kind of media blob, mm. and they're all in it together. Do you know how many people in focus groups think that Keir Starmer is really posh because of the surfing? They say, well, he should give up the title. 
He's been born into it now. Sorry, but... isn't um, isn't being a knight of the realm quite posh? I would I would argue that if you are Sir Ava Santina, actually, you, what's the is it the female version? It must be Dame. Don't presume. All right. Would you take Sir? I would you take Sir Ava Santina? I'm not a cuck. <laughs> right. Okay. Fine. So <laughs> my point stands. But I think the second you have Sir before your name, you're a knight. You're as a knight of the realm. Yes, yeah, you are quite posh. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. But, you know, also there is some misreporting in how he did grow up. You know, son of a toolmaker, actually son of a man who owned the toolmaking factory. Slight difference, slight mm. difference, but mm. cut through. Anyway. Should we move on? It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We have never had it so good. It's the Politics Show podcast. BBC local radio strikes. Ava, today's the second day of a 48-hour strike by journalists working on BBC local radio stations. A thousand journalists are participating in industrial action over the BBC's plans to reduce local radio services across England. And crucially, 5.7 weekly, weekly listeners tune in to BBC local radio. First things first, obviously, um, victory to the strikers. Hope they get what they're after. But why don't you talk to me a little bit about local radio and why it's so close to your heart? I started at BBC Sussex. It was the first ever job I got in journalism and I went and I begged them for a position. I begged them for work experience and they took me and <laughs> and then I got the job at LBC and I basically used my BBC Sussex money to fund my LBC mm. career. I'm not joking. If you had known me in that portion of my life, I was mental. I used to get the... What? Three... Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I used to get the 3.50 a.m. train from Brighton to London to work LBC, come back, I would write my dissertation, and then I'd work at BBC Sussex in the evening. But anyway, enough about me. <laughs> um, no, look, if you can't afford to do a journalism course at City or at, well, Cardiff, but I'm not being disparaging against you. You can talk in a minute, sorry. Um, but if you can't afford to do it, local radio is really your avenue in. And there's no local papers to turn to anymore to get your step on the... You know, get your foot on the ladder or whatever. You're not going to go and write about the new Big Mac for Reach PLC. You're not going to... That's a really important point. Can you actually explain that? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, basically, there used to be a network of local newspapers, right, across the country. And um, a lot of them were owned either individually or Reach PLC, which is the company that also runs the Daily Mirror and I believe the Daily Express, am I right? Yes, and the Daily Express. Thank you, Ava, for that little non-verbal cue to me there. Um, and... In the time since, obviously, a lot of independent local papers have shut down or 
they've been bought out by companies like Reach. Reach has this huge network now. If you want to talk about, uh, take your pick, I don't know, Birmingham Live. Um, Bristol Post. Yeah, exactly. Like there's just, if, if you think of a local newspaper, um, it's probably owned by Reach. And Somerset Live. Yeah. What Reach has done is that uh, essentially they've, they've stripped out those editorial teams. You're lucky if there's a local reporter for your area. More likely it's going to be one reporter who covers, excuse me, multiple cities or a, a, an area so large that they could never possibly cover it in any great detail. Um, and instead of getting high quality local journalism, uh, which is to the benefit of a local community, they get these stories that are produced either by centralized staff in London or from another writer that gets cross-posted all across their network. So, for example, what drives you know traffic to a website? You might be talking about the latest addition to a McDonald's menu. You might be talking about a soap storyline, anything like that. The typical, I guess, what you would typically associate with sort of like a Facebook new a Facebook story, right? Pick a publisher; doesn't matter who it is. People run them. That sort of broad national interest drives a lot of traffic. But crucially, if you live in a local area, what's happening on Corrie tonight doesn't have a great bearing on your life individually, which might be better served reporting on decisions being made by the council. Um, take your pick, local issues. The, the the really strong local campaigning journalism that used to see improvement to local areas, that's fallen by the wayside. And Reach is probably the main protagonist in that. I don't know if other if other new paper if other publishers are doing the same. I think it really is reach. That being said, there are some independent media sites. I would point to uh, the Manchester Mill. I would mm-hmm. point to the Bristol Cable, um, who are basically now filling the void for um, you know those local papers that have since disappeared. Yorkshire Post, yeah, cracker, mm. cracking. So Manchester Evening News is that the same as the Manchester Mill? No, Manchester Mill. So Manchester Evening News is not the Manchester. Manchester Mill is a small email newsletter based. Oh, I see. Um, I didn't know if that was like a, a catch-all term. No, 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 no. Sorry, no, no, no. It's an, it's an actual publication. Got you. Called the Manchester Mill, um, and it's it's really good. It's got local. It's got staff who are on the ground. They, it's only original journalism, um, paying subscribers, and they're they're, they're growing. I think they've got about twenty thousand subscribers now. I think last time I checked. So. For the Victorian literature nerds, um, <laughs> what they've assen- what Reach have essentially done is they produce pulp. Oh, and I good. say no more. Very good. <laughs> if you get it, very, very good. The girls that get it, get it. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, just talk about radio from a sort of purely non-selfish, I guess, perspective about how do journalists get into journalism? How I know, yeah, shocking. Um, Five point seven million people, right? That's yeah, that's, that's a, it's. That's a huge audience. Yeah. It's really important that it exists. And I I used to have quite a... Sn- to be honest with you, Ava, you might um, not like to hear this. I used to have quite a sort of... Um, not snobbish, but I used to I used to think that radio was basically the preserve of, like, freaks. Oh. Like the Chelsea Flower Show, which I also got a lot of shit for saying on yeah. our previous episodes. Um, I didn't understand... Like, when I was in the car with my mates, we would either stick on the CD player or we would have one of those... Um, Sorry for younger listeners, you won't have had to go through this, but you basically had a device that plugged into the AUX of your iPod that would discharge a small radio yes. signal. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, you know the not head- the orcs. No, yeah, sorry, orcs. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you know the the head the headphone jack right on your iPod. Yeah, when they used to have those, you plug that in, it would create a small radio signal. You tune the radio to it, yeah. and you'd be able to play your iPod in the car or in the cigarette lighter. Yeah, yeah, or you put, oh yeah, literally plug, plugged it in, right? And I thought that anyone that listened to Radio 1, Capital, I was like, you moron. Why would you not want to listen to 
anything that you've got on your own iPod. Why would you want to let someone else select it? And then I kind of got older and realized that actually there's this really diverse, broad, entirely different media landscape that exists that I was just kind of sort of, well, basically looking down my nose at. Mm. Um, maybe it was because I worked at LBC for a time. Maybe it was because, I don't know, I started listening to a station that I quite liked and I quite enjoyed the experience. It's, it's so personal, isn't it? Radio. We just say the thing is, is that you it, working at a radio station is quite funny because you can't escape the output. So you're basically just like you live and breathe the output. Yeah. Like you can you go home and you'll be like, well, it's like Sam and so said at one oh five. You can't stop. It's mental. Yeah, actually Clive Allen said this one best. So yeah. I just wanna wanna take it back to him. Um so yeah, I mean look, lo partic uh, the death of local journalism is a is a really important issue. Um and that's not just papers, it's it's radio as well. And not to over romanticize it, but I will. Um, look, I, I think the best thing about what I really like about local area and how it being so specific to quite a small part of the UK geography is that, oh God, it's so pathetic. Hosts get to know their listeners and hosts know the local area. So it means like if you are listening to breakfast at like 7.30 and he's talking about, I don't know, Chatsworth Road, you're like, that's my road. And it sounds so silly and menial, but actually... People like that. It's a real comfort to a lot of people in their homes. Did you know when the biggest spike for radio is? Tell me. Christmas Day. Mm. That is when Rajar just goes out the roof, through the roof, through the roof. Because it's a lot of lonely people and it's like having a friend who speaks to you. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I feel that particularly the way I listen to radio now is usually through headphones. Mm. So it really is like you're having a conversation with someone. But I don't, I would push back a little bit what you're saying there. I don't think it is silly, menial or pathetic. You know, I think your local area is everything. Isn't mm. it? And uh, that's why you live there. And to have someone who understands it and speaks to you about it, um, it's a brilliant thing. So yeah, v victory to the BBC journos. I hope. I hope they. Um, hope they you know that right. they made them. They they basically did fire and rehire. They sacked them all and they made them reapply for all their jobs. Really? Yeah. And it, it really and it's like what makes me really sad about it is that sorry, go on. No, 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 no. I was just gonna say these hosts who have been there for like forty years and. They're really important. Like they're quite famous in their local areas. Like when we were at BBC okay. Six, people would literally stand outside and be like, "Can I get your autograph?" Like to the presenter, <laughs> they love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I would just what final word on this. Anyone who doubts the importance of uh, local radio, local radio presenters, I would urge you to revisit uh, one of the sunny, sunny days of Liz Truss's premiership. Yeah. Where the Downing Street media machine thought that it would be an easy ride and a better thing to do to put Liz Truss on against the local breakfast presenters than against the Radio 4 Today team. And they ate her alive. Battered. Battered her. They but battered. she left broken. <laughs> she was a broken woman. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Anyway, that's the end of that. I guess there's just a, a few a few little bits of housekeeping for us. I hate that kind of like thing because people go, oh, it's so boring. But just, just it, it contains dominatrixes. So stay. Uh, those of you who listened to an episode about a week ago, I would say we mentioned that Ed Campbell was working on a story in relation to a Doms versus Subs paintball tournament where the Subs would not be allowed to have paintball guns and the Doms would just be lighting them up. And we wanted to go and report on that. Well, podcast listeners, um, not only is that story happening, it also turns out the Dominatrix is actually a listener to the podcast. Um, so, hi, Megara. Great to have you with us. Legend. Uh, what a woman. Yeah. What what a woman. Yeah. Um, having spoken to her on the phone, great crack. 
So yes, that story is happening. And also as well, um, we're going to get her on the podcast. So strap yourselves in because I imagine that one will get quite fruity. You know what we're going to talk about though? Unions. Yeah, unions. She she unionised the strippers of Glasgow. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's there's some politics and some fun there to be had as well. And then I guess unless there's anything else you wanted to add about no, you take it. Dom Dom's West subs and paintball. And the only other thing Lee's is just got this nice new thing. Yeah, I've got this I've got this new it, yeah. thing I'm working on. Um, just a completely shameless self plug to um, listen to our latest podcast, Unfiltered. Um, it's an interview series. The first episode has just gone live today. And it's with former member of One Direction, Niall Horan. I enjoyed speaking to him. I think you'll enjoy listening to it. So please do go and check it out. Otherwise, um, thanks for listening to the Politics Show podcast. We'll catch you on the next one. Goodbye. Oh, more applause. Is that applause for Unfiltered? Hey, Unfiltered yes. applause. Look at that. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.